0: Hey folks! If you've been tuning in over the last couple of months, you've heard all about the Game Time app and how it can save you some serious cash on last-minute tickets uh, to sports, concerts, and all types of shows. I have it on my phone. I'm always there checking it out. I love it as a discovery tool for things that are going on. Uh, I live out in the Pacific Northwest in the Seattle area, so I'm always looking. There's a discovery tab where it just shows you uh, things that are popular or things that are going on in the in the, you know the weeks to come. And so there's lots of times I'll just go on there and I'll be like, oh, nice, that concert's going to be in town. Uh, I'll remember that. Uh, or if I'm looking for Seahawks tickets, Husky tickets. The great thing about it is you go on there, if you're looking for a sporting event, uh, most of the time you can see the seats uh, that are being offered, actual uh, real-life picture of, of the view that you would have if you were to purchase those seats. And if so if you like something on there, the great thing about it is that you're like two taps away. Uh, on checkout, which is incredibly easy, uh, very convenient. The app is very slick, it's very easy to use. And like I said, it it just behooves you to have that there and just to be checking it out all the time because I guarantee you're going to find some things there that you didn't know about that you're going to really like. So now, game time, and the nice thing here is game time is hooking you up for the holidays with a $10 credit. Here's what you have to do you just go download the game time app in the Google Player App Store, click on the My Ticket section of the app, create an account. Then, under the billing section, redeem code, the code is the athletic, all one word. Once again, that's the athletic. Uh, no spaces, the athletic. For $10 off your first purchase, that's free money, people. Credit is only available to the first thousand people who redeem the code and expires at the end of the year. That's December 31st, 2019. So make moves quick and score last minute tickets. Welcome to Dunks and Dimes Fantasy Hoops Podcast. I am Brandon Funston, your host, joined as always by Eric Wong. Uh, we record this every Friday to help get you set for the weekend in Fantasy Hoops. Eric,
1: how is it going? It's going all right, Brandon. How are you doing?
0: Yeah, I'm doing good. Uh, last week we talked uh, about the your top 25 fantasy centers uh, as we're almost a couple months into the season. Uh, and then we kind of previewed. Your top 50 forwards. We're going to dive into that some more, and then we're going to also dive into your top 50 guards. So we're really going to basically get through uh, the entirety of your rankings updates, and we'll do that in just a moment. But first, I want to tell you, you, if you want to uh, follow me, you can do so at Brandon Funston on Twitter. You can follow Eric at Roto Evil. Um, you can also check out Eric's columns at the Athletic FS uh, on Twitter, and of course, you can go to the Athletic website. And follow his stuff there. And if you want 40% off of the athletic, just go to the athletic.com backslash dunks and dimes. And a subscription will also allow you to check out all of our NBA podcasts, including no dunks back to back, uh, hoops adjacent with David Aldridge and the daily ding. Uh, we have several, uh, team specific NBA podcasts you can follow as well. So make sure to check that out. And, uh, uh, without further ado, Eric, let's go ahead and, and dive into things. I mentioned we talked about the centers uh, last week. We went over the top guys, kind of uh, picked out some uh, some player comparisons, and you know pitted some some players against each other, and had you decide which player you liked uh, best of that group. And we'll do that again. Um, so we're starting with the top fifty forwards. Last week we talked about uh, you, we had Giannis, uh, Anthony Davis, and LeBron as. Uh, as a player pick them and you went with Giannis. He was your number one overall top, uh, forward. And then we also talked about Pascal Siakam and Jimmy Butler and, and Paul George as a, as a group, uh player pick them. And you went with Pascal Siakam. So those six were the top six off the board. I don't know if you have anything else you want to say about those guys before we kind of continue on down, uh, the list of forwards. But, uh, yeah, do you have anything you want to say about those guys?
1: Well, I'll just add that, I mean, those are definitely uh, the the top six, very strong top six, kind of a tier above the rest. i probably put the uh, Giannis, Anthony Davis, LeBron as tier 1A, and then Siakam, Butler, George as tier 1B. But definitely those six are the kind of standout above the rest.
0: Okay, so then if we jump to the next group and we're going to uh, pair or – I don't know. Uh, what's the, what's <laughs> That's not a pair. It's a trio. So we'll just go with a trio. The next trio is uh, Demata Sabonis, uh, Jonathan Isaac and John Collins. And before we have you decide, you know, which one you like the best, how far off of the top six are these guys? I mean, they're young guys. Is, do they have the talent? Do you think the ability, the future projectability to move into kind of that top six tier that you've talked about?
1: Right. Well, so that's interesting because it's, uh, you know, relevant to this is especially for Jonathan Isaac. And I was kind of wondering um, if uh, if Isaac would would step up um, in the absence of Nikola Vucevic. So we had talked uh, on our November 22nd podcast. I remember us talking about Isaac's potential. And uh, that happened to be right after Vucevic had gone down with an injury. Uh, So I said that Isaac's evolution was becoming a go-to scorer that could drop 20 points on any given night. And, uh, you know, but I said I needed to see that happen first because I wasn't quite sure if he had that ability, especially right now. And what's funny is that the very next day, he scored 25 points, uh, shot four of six on threes. And I was like, okay, maybe maybe that's ready to happen right now. And then he proceeded to average just 10.6 points over the next eight games, despite having some really juicy matchups against the Wizards, Warriors, and the Cavaliers twice. And so that shows me he's not ready to be go-to score. He you know, can't handle the extra pressure from opposing defenses, and his field goal percentage dropped when Vucevic was out. So maybe he's actually more valuable player with Nikola Vucevic in the lineup, and he's uh, set to return but I do think uh, Isaac has that potential to move into that uh, that top tier as, you know, being like a potential top 20 pick. But my pick for this group is Damatis Sabonis. I'll stick with my love for Sabonis. He, you know, simply gets the job done. But I would say Isaac has a higher ceiling, but for right now, Sabonis is the most reliable of that group. He's just a double-double machine, has... Uh, currently ranks third in double-doubles with 20, but I was looking at the the numbers and his double-double percentage is actually the second highest in the league after Giannis. Giannis has 22 double-doubles in 24 games. Sabonis has 20 in 23, but you you compare that to some of the other elite guys. Drummond has 21, but out of 25 games, LeBron has 19 in 25 games. Towns has 17 in 22 games. So Sabonis is just, you know, racking up double-doubles, and he's still chipping in assists, shooting uh, really well from the free-throw line for a big man. So he's my pick from that group. But John Collins does have very nice potential as well, and he should be coming back uh, pretty soon. And, uh, you know, chips in across the board a little bit better with, you know, some, some more steals and blocks than Sabonis is going to give you while scoring Scoring the ball better than uh, than Isaac does.
0: So Isaac, the most projectable, um, maybe the most room to move and get better of this group. Sabonis, I, I agree. He kind of feels like he is what he is, and he's really good, and he's probably going to be the same player for the most part for a long time, as long as he can stay healthy. But probably pushing close close to his ceiling already, and so maybe John Collins is is the you know is the best blend of the two is that fair to say
1: yeah yeah that's a good that's a good uh maybe
0: more more solid right now than jonathan isaac but maybe not quite uh not quite as much upside as isaac going forward but uh uh, a good mix of both um yeah for sure okay uh so let's those guys are kind of the bigs let's talk about some uh some of the smaller forwards here and uh, a group of guys you have lumped together, Brandon Ingram, who we've talked about uh, a lot on this, uh, on this show and past podcasts, um, Jason Tatum for a strong Celtics team and Kawhi Leonard in his new, new locale in LA. Uh, How are you breaking these guys down?
1: Well, this is a pretty close group. Um, Obviously Kawhi has, has had some big games. He's also been a little disappointing with his uh, field goal percentage, not quite, being uh, what one would expect, so I have to go with um, Brandon Ingram right here. Um, you know his field goal percentage is far superior than Jason Tatum's. Still shooting a strong, forty-nine percent from the field, as opposed to Tatum kind of hovering in the forty to forty-one percent range. And Ingram is still making uh, over two th- two threes a game obviously Tatum is shooting a lot of threes, but Ingram's just doing a better job of finishing both around the rim and mid range. I would be a little concerned about uh, Ingram's durability, but obviously that's still a better situation than Kawhi Leonard sitting out back to backs. Um, And uh, I'd say Ingram is the, the most solid reliable play out of those guys.
0: Yeah. And Tatum, as you mentioned, just, uh, you know, got to get that field goal percentage up, but, uh, in, in in reality, he's having a great year. He's one of those guys that they can just you know move defensively all over the place, and uh, so maybe in a, in a real life sense, uh, Tatum would get a bump up there. But uh, all right, let's uh, let's look at another group of forwards. Why don't you pick one of these guys? If I throw out Tobias Harris, Andrew Wiggins, uh, Lamarcus Aldridge, and DeMar DeRozan, uh, who are you going to take?
1: Well, if you asked me uh, a couple weeks ago, it would have been really hard to not pick Andrew Wiggins. I mean, he was red hot in November, shot 48% from the field, over 39% on threes. But he's kind of reverting to his old ways. This month, he's shooting just uh, 41% from the field and 28% on threes, kind of making uh, people question if that was just a fluke. I do think he's. Uh, in in for a, a strong year, regardless. But I'm gonna go with Tobias Harris from this group. He's in his prime, 27 years old, very strong, great finisher. He definitely benefits from being that that third option in Philly, playing uh playing off of Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons. In the article, I mentioned how Tobias is Ben's favorite passing target, and it's not even close, really. If you look at the uh, Ben's passing numbers, he has uh, 17.4 passes per game, uh, which results in 2.5 assists per game to Tobias. He's uh, passing it 14.2 times, but that's just netting 1.3 assists per game to Al Horford. And perhaps most shocking is that he's only passing it 8.3 times, To Joel Embiid per game and that's just 0.6 assists per game of Ben's passes to Joel Embiid which is pretty interesting um, especially for for the people who've discussed like are Simmons and Embiid a successful pairing moving forward like can they become become title contenders with both of those guys together. Just to kind of step back from fantasy for a second and say, are, are the 76ers constructed in a
0: way that they'll be able to be successful and make a run at a championship? Because there's questions about uh, kind of odd floor spacing when you get Horford and Embiid out there. And, and someone had, you know, threw out the idea, would the 76ers consider trading uh, Tobias Harris? And so uh, I was just curious about your thoughts about all that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, so much of it depends on Ben Simmons shooting, right? Like, I was watching the game yesterday, and they they passed it to him, and he was wide open for a three, and he didn't even consider shooting it. He just immediately passed it to Josh Richardson, who had a more contested three-point look. And those are the shots that, and I and I believe what happened on that play was Josh didn't want to take it because he was closely guarded, and then he made a pass, and then they took a bad shot attempt as the clock was running down right and those are the type of plays that you know really hurt you by passing up the open three-point shot and so and still I what I talked about before is even bigger issue for him I think is his free throw shooting where he doesn't attack where he's not aggressive because he doesn't want to get to the free throw line and those two are major issues and it's it's really a matter of Philly deciding, okay, how much do we believe in the, how much do we believe in this guy making those improvements over his in his game over time, you know how how much like how much time does he spend in the gym working on his game? And so, you know, I the the Tobias Harris question is is interesting because I don't think he's the problem. I think he's the perfect. Um, yeah. Number three guy on offense, but then at the same time he's he's in his prime right now. He's he's ready to win. His game his game doesn't have too many flaws, but the the question is, do they actually believe they're legit contenders right now or not? And if not, maybe it does make sense to trade him and and try to get a, a younger player.
0: Yeah. I think the, the weird thing is, is it's probably all about Simmons. Cause how many guys that are his size that are considered stars in the league are just complete non-factors outside the arc. Right. And, uh, you know, usually if you're, if you're not doing that in your star, you're kind of a post guy or whatever. So, uh, I think Simmons makes for a unique kind of, uh, considerations in terms of in terms of offensive flow, but, uh, you know, they're a great defensive team. And, you know, Matisse Diebel, their rookie, he's, he, you know, they, they started him early in the year and then he kind of went quiet. I, I just noticed in the last three games, averaging 13 points and uh, has 10 three pointers in three games and shooting over 50% from the field and, you know, doing the defensive things that they brought him in for. And he could be, you know, if he continues to play like this, that could be a big component for them going forward
1: oh definitely if he's if he's making threes at a nice clip then you know they have no choice but to play him because he's such a strong defensive player so i mean they still they still have a lot of talent and uh you know they could definitely make noise in the playoffs i mean they almost they almost beat toronto in last year's playoffs right they came really close and so the talent's there it's uh just lots of question marks that they still have to answer and the other guys that uh, you mentioned in in that uh, grouping, Lamarcus Aldridge and Demar Derozan on the Spurs, are are interesting as well because, you know, the Spurs are nine and fifteen right now out of the playoffs. The West is is looking a little bit easier to sneak into the playoffs this year, so they still have a chance to to go on a winning streak and move back into the playoff race, but. If that's not going to happen, should they actually consider shopping uh, DeRozan and Aldridge and try to get a little bit younger and more athletic? Uh, so that'll be interesting to watch with those two guys. What's your thought on that? Do you think that's the direction they're going to end up going? You know, I, I think uh, they should definitely consider it, especially if uh, if they can get if good value for that. I'm not sure uh, how much... Uh, how much trade interest there will be, especially in DeRozan, but I would think I would think. Um, and is that just
0: because he's not the you know he has the mid range game? But do you think that'll that'll factor into it a lot in terms of the r- value? Oh
1: yeah, most definitely. Yeah. Uh, you know, just not not the modern player that teams are looking for. Um I'm also not sure of his contract situation. Trying to look that up right now. When he signed uh, an extension um oh yeah so he has a player option for for next year and then he'll be a free agent so okay and i think aldridge as well is either free agent uh either after this season or next so they should have actually pretty pretty tradable contracts
0: yeah you know we're not going to talk about him in the guard section but i was you know uh was working up your uh guards piece that is on the site today and uh you had Dante Murray way down your guards list. And I know he's a guy that you were um, excited about. And you talked about his per, his per numbers being really good, but it doesn't seem like right now um, he's, you know, he's very firmly in that mix for the Spurs. It's just, it's a guy that's been in the league a little while, but still seems like we're talking about projection for him instead of actual reality. Uh, So what just, yeah, and just to kind of go off topic from the forwards for a second, what's your thoughts on Dehonte Murray going forward?
1: Right. Well, one issue for this season, at least, is that he's still being held out of back-to-backs, so they must be uh, very cautious about him uh, staying healthy and uh, just trying to uh, maintain that. But uh, yeah, he's he's been losing playing time, was demoted from the starting lineup, is is not shooting threes well at all, and I think that's what. Uh, That's obviously related to DeRozan and Aldridge not being great three-point threats, right, is that they need as much floor spacing as possible, and so that's why Bryn Forbes and Patty Mills are just having to play their usual minutes, even though they would, I'm sure, much rather give those minutes to Murray. But if he's not going to be a three-point threat and then DeRozan is only attempting uh, a couple threes per game and Aldridge isn't much of a three-point threat, you know, their, their floor spacing is, you know, kind of one of the worst teams in the league because of that. And so that's an issue they'll need to address moving forward.
0: Yeah, no doubt. All right, let's let's uh, let's get back to the forwards and let's talk about a couple guys that are trending up. Uh, Jaron Jackson Jr., uh, Memphis, and, and Ruri Hachimura with Washington. Uh, I was high on Jaron Jackson Jr. going into the season. I think everybody in the Fantasy Hoops community was, and he got off to a slow start. Things have started to turn around for him. I'm just curious. Before you talk about these guys, you know, in baseball, there's kind of like this, um, like if a guy struggles in April and May, you, you kind of usually throw out June 1st as a like they are what they are at this point. Then, if they're still struggling, do you have like a kind of like a line of demarcation for struggling guys that they need to start turning it around by X date, or else uh, I'm, you know, I'm going to my my opinion of them is going to go completely sour.
1: Um, yeah, interesting. I would say, yeah, you, we we need to start seeing some production this month in December. I would say, um, it doesn't usually take guys uh 30 40 games before they suddenly start right. playing well, right? So, yeah, I would say, uh, right about right about now is where guys need to to step it up if they've been struggling. So, bring the Christmas cheer, or else, uh, yeah. There you go. So, all right. Let's 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 talk about
0: Jaron Jackson. Where are you at on him, opinion wise, compared to where you were at on him going into the season?
1: Yeah, I mean, people people were very high on him, and I think the expectations were just too high. He's still, um, I think, only twenty years old, so just doesn't have much experience, and uh, he's still, you know, kind of uh, adjusting to his body and uh, just doesn't have the uh, the experience, the on court experience that he needs and hopefully hopefully the the mental game will 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 get there eventually but he's starting to pick up his play after scoring just 14.8 points in October and 15.2 points per game in November he's up to 20.7 after his first 6 games in December still just 4.3 rebounds which is you know terrible for a big man and uh I'm not quite sure why he's he's such a poor uh, rebounder, but definitely that's where, you know, strength comes into play and a little bit of more understanding. But uh, 1.7 blocks per game this month. But yet again, that also comes with 5.2 fouls per game this month, so almost fouling out of uh, every game this month. But, uh, you know, that kind of – I think I think what people were hoping for from him or – pretty close to what I was projecting was like around 17 points, seven rebounds, uh, like right around the 1.7 blocks, one and a half threes per game. And, uh, you know, just his scoring was down, his rebounds are down. But he definitely has that that potential still. Um, Not quite ready to say that he's he's ready to keep uh, this momentum going forward, but, I mean, the abilities there and Memphis uh needs to keep playing him what i've previously said about him is that he he it seems like he's going to need an injury to Jonas Valančiūnas in order to really pump up those stats just because Valančiūnas does kind of gobble up some of those rebounds and and touches, post-touches and whatnot. So we'll see what happens with Valanciunas moving forward. But uh, I think there's reason to be optimistic.
0: Yeah, it's the rebounding because, you know, the ability to step out and hit two threes, but also block, you know, one and a half shots per game is pretty unique, but... Uh, that 4.3 rebounds, I'm guaranteeing Tom Izzo didn't teach him to to be uh, so lackluster on the board. So it's interesting there. Um, all right, let's talk about Rui Hachimura, the rookie um, in Washington. Not a huge rebounder either for his size, but uh, you know at least serviceable. Uh, what are you liking about his game right now?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, he definitely got off to a disappointing start, played just uh, under 25 minutes per game in November and just kind of mediocre 10.6 points, 4.9 rebounds per game that month. But the Thomas Bryant injury definitely paved the way for major minutes for him and uh, several other teammates going down recently. So in uh, six December games... Rui is averaging over 38 minutes per game and really producing 20.2 points, 7.8 rebounds, two and a half assists, nearly a steal per game, less than uh, one turnover per game. So just taking care of the ball, uh, playing to his strengths, shooting a very strong 49% from the field and 88% from the free throw line. So that kind of uh, shows you what kind of upside he has and how productive he can be when he gets the playing time. And uh, I definitely like him moving forward.
0: Yeah. What's uh? So, like, in terms of like, how can he take his game to the next level? Like, what what would you like to see from him? Do you think is realistic going forward?
1: Well, I think one of the the concerns from a fantasy perspective and maybe even uh, NBA teams was uh, his lack of shot blocking in college, and uh, that's continued into the pros. He hasn't blocked too many shots, and and just, like, how much of a force he can be on the defensive end. He's definitely more offensive-minded, right? And, right. like you said, not an elite rebounder, just just a solid one, but uh, not going to uh, average double-digit rebounds, probably. But, yeah, he, he's mainly uh, just a scorer. But if he could develop a reliable three-point shot, that would be huge for his uh, fantasy value moving uh, forward in the future. And you typically, when you look at, like, from the field and 88% from
0: the free throw line. That's that bodes well for his ability to maybe uh, adopt a three
1: point shot, right? Yeah, definitely. I think, uh, you know, he has, he has a good looking shooting stroke and I think he could develop that over time. Cool. Uh, Well, let's okay. So
0: those are the guys trending up. Let's look at a couple guys that are trending down. You're throwing out Jalen Brown and uh, Draymond Green. So uh, why don't you talk about what is, What is impacting them in a negative way right now?
1: Right. So Jalen Brown, uh, he is having a a breakout season. He's playing really well for the Celtics this year. But Gordon Hayward is back now, and that immediately takes shots away. Uh, The past two games with Hayward playing, Jalen has attempted nine shots and 12 shots the past two games. After attempting 15 plus shots in 13 of his previous 15 games. So right there, right away, you can see how, you know, he was kind of a a legit uh, 20 point scorer for that stretch while Hayward was out. And now, and now those games are going to be much harder to to come by with Hayward uh, needing to get involved in the offense. And for Draymond, uh, you know, on Wednesday he had a kind of vintage Draymond line, what people have been used to over over, uh, quite some time now. It was 14 points, 10 rebounds, 12 assists, 4 steals. But then again, it came against the Knicks, and the game went into overtime, and that was the first game all season where Draymond has played over 35 minutes. So I don't think uh, his owners can... uh, can assume that that's going to continue because the Warriors have been limiting his minutes. And uh, I think that was just kind of a, a one-time occurrence. Uh, so maybe, maybe try to sell high now.
0: Yeah, it's good. It's a weird year for golden state, right? I mean, you're basically on top of the heap and then uh, you know, all the injuries and all the player movement. And so you're going to have this wasted year and it could be right back on top of the heap, uh, you know, uh, quickly next year. So it's bizarre. I guess it makes sense. You just kind of want you, the guys that you know that you're going to want to have for you next year, you just want to kind of keep them in good shape through that. So I, I, I would imagine they're going to continue to limit his minutes a fair amount going forward, wouldn't you?
1: Right, yeah. So there's definitely uh, some, some guys, at least with more reliable playing time and, and higher stat upside, that I, I had ranked a, ahead of him.
0: Uh, on Jalen Brown, so... He was he's averaging like 19 points a game, and I think it's what like five points over his previous career high with Gordon Hayward back. What do what do you think the ceiling is on his uh, points per game average? Do you think he can continue to hit 19 a game? The way Boston's constructed right now.
1: No, I mean I think uh, he'll be lucky to be at 17 PPG with Hayward back. But you know, then again, it all it takes his. An injury to someone else, right? So he, he, just the fact that he's shooting 50% from the field this year, 37% on threes, is encouraging. Shooting his free throws a little better, and he just does look more confident attacking the hoop and whatnot. So I, you know, I, I do think he's still going to be a a solid scorer, just and a solid fantasy producer, just not quite as kind of because I felt like he was locked into starting lineups when Hayward was out, but now it's just going to be a little bit uh, more of a question mark
0: just a little bit more of a management
1: uh, from Fanny
0: fantasy owners in terms of him, I guess. Um, all right. Well, that's a good snapshot of your top 50 forwards. If you want to get all of the rankings and all the breakdowns on the top 50 players that Eric has ranked at the forward position, be sure to go to uh, the athletics, Fantasy basketball page. It is there for you uh, to peruse. Uh, And with that, I think we want time to turn to the guards um, and break those guys down. But before we do that, I want to tell you about StockX. Uh, Have you ever wondered how to get the hottest new sneakers, the ones that barely hit the shelves? The answer is StockX, a revolutionary new marketplace for buying and selling 100% authentic sneakers, streetwear, watches, and handbags. Millions are already using StockX to find everything after it sells out. From the latest Yeezys to every retro Jordan to the hottest new streetwear from brands like Supreme, Palace, and Kith. And uh, I was on StockX the other day. I discovered a shoe called the Nike Moon Racer, which I thought looked awesome. Kind of like a, some kind of a child of the uh, Nike Cortez, a little bit of a, of a hybrid version of that, but uh I, I saw those and they were at a really good price and I made sure that my wife knew that that was going to be on my Christmas list. So um, hoping uh, hoping for a nice surprise for Christmas uh, for my feet, anyways. Um, but yeah, StockX is is really cool. It's basically an online uh, stock marketplace. They have trading cards on there as well, which, uh, you know, I, I was a huge trading card guy growing up and always loved to kind of peruse what's out there in terms of, uh, of the latest trading cards and things like that. So uh, check out StockX. And if you do, uh, you'll find an exciting offer for the athletic listeners. Use promo code BBALL2019 for $20 off your next purchase. You can visit www.stockx.com backslash bball For more information. All right, Eric. Let's uh, go ahead and dive into the top fifty guards. Um, You in in the column mentioned that's kind of there's uh, basically fifteen guys that you are. It feels like maybe that's like your you know that it's a top heavy class with 15 really slam dunk kind of uh, solid guards. And then after that, it gets a bit interesting, but your, your top four, um, are James Harden, Luka Doncic, uh, Damon Lillard and Trey young. Uh, we don't have to go to belabor them too long. Everybody knows they're really good. Is there anything you want to say about these guys?
1: Right. I'd say the, the those are the clear cut top four. It'd be uh hard to argue with that. I would think. And if, uh, you have one of those guys. You should definitely uh, be feeling feeling confident about your chances. They're kind of carrying fantasy teams, and uh, if people are sending you trade offers, you should uh, you know probably ignore most of them unless they're really juicy.
0: Okay, and th- and then your uh, so your next group we're looking at guys like Devin Booker who's having a great year, Bradley Beal, Drew Holiday, and Kyle Lowry. Um, out of that group who would you be most wanting to roll with in fantasy
1: right this is an interesting group um you know bradley beal is uh it's been a little bit of a mixed bag his um points assists and free throw attempts have made nice jumps but he's shooting just 33 percent on three pointers and other some of his other stats are down considerably and he could heat up um from three-point land but also you know he doesn't have that much help uh in Washington and uh as I said before in on the podcast sometimes it just looks like he isn't fully engaged and uh you know it doesn't help that uh Washington's defense is so bad and they they've been involved in some blowouts as well. Drew Holiday obviously he's gonna have to deal with um Zion Williamson coming back which, you know, I don't think Zion's going to hurt people's stats as much as some might be expecting, partly because the Pelicans are going to be very careful about his minutes and management. But, uh, you know, Drew's one of the things I talked about in the article is that um, Holiday is shooting... um, under 51% on his two pointers after shooting right around 55% on two pointers, the previous two seasons and his uh, free throw shooting has also taken a big drop. And I'm not sure what's, what's going on there. He doesn't look quite as comfortable on offense, but he's kind of made up for it with his steals and blocks. And obviously he's still a good assist man as well. And um, Kyle Lowry, obviously, uh, He's taken on a bigger offensive uh, load this year, which Toronto has needed. But then again, his assists are down considerably due to Fred Van Vliet uh, taking on a bigger role. So my pick for this would be uh, Devin Booker. Him, uh, at the time of the article, him and uh, Giannis and Carl Anthony Towns were the only guys scoring 25 plus points per game while shooting over 50% from the field, both LeBron and Anthony Davis were just a tad under that 50% mark and could easily get back over that, of course. But, I mean, that's really interesting for Booker because he he takes a lot of threes, right? So the fact that he's still shooting over 50% from the field is pretty impressive. And uh, DeAndre Ayton is uh, is ready to come back. And he, he might take some of those shot attempts away, but that should just help out Booker in terms of staying over that 50 percent mark and just getting really efficient shots and um you know I think it'll help uh, make Phoenix a more dynamic offensive team and I don't think you should be too worried about that if you have Devin Booker
0: yeah I mean shooting over 50 percent uh with a guy like Booker's game is crazy and you know with Holiday you're like uh you know he was 55 percent on on two pointers last year, and he's below fifty-one percent. i have saying like that's a first-world fancy problem in my mind that you have a point guard who's still shooting over fifty percent from the field. Um, you know, it's just it's very impressive when I see point guards that can make more than half of their shots. Uh, but I wanted to I wanted to mention something on Bradley Beal. It's kind of you know they're sort of in a lost season as well, and no John Wall. Like how quickly with the return of John wall and the way they're constructed there in Washington, can Washington be a, a legit playoff contender in the East?
1: Interesting. Well, I, ha- I've never been a huge John wall fan. And so I'm a little bit skeptical of him returning, uh, from injury. And, you know, part of that is cause he's never been a great three point shooter. Um, and so we'll see. I mean, maybe he comes back and he's 100 healthy, and he suddenly has a three a nice three point shot. But uh, yeah, I I'd be uh, I, I wouldn't be very optimistic if I was a Wizards fan. I, <laughs> Makes it all the more curious that he signed that long term deal, right? Exactly. I was surprised that he signed that extension. He must really be happy um, with his current living situation because I I was thinking it made more sense for them to try and trade Beal at this Just year's kind of deadline blow the whole thing up and start right. over yeah right. yeah okay
0: well let's go to another group we talked about ben simmons earlier uh his outside shooting deficiencies uh but you know pretty pretty solid all-around game otherwise uh let's lump him in with guys like donovan mitchell uh, malcolm is having a true breakout year and, and kemba walker is doing doing well for himself in his new locale in boston how do you how do you kind of rank these guys
1: Right. If you, if you had to base this on what they've done this far, it would definitely be Malcolm Brogdon, right? His, um, he's not quite at the 50-40-90 um, this year because his three-point shooting is down. But you know, he, what I mentioned in the article is how, how money he's been from the free-throw line. He's 94.6% on 4.4 free-throw attempts per game. The last time a player shot over 94% on four-plus attempts per game was Mark Price in 92-93. Oh, wow. So, I mean, it's something that we very rarely see. I mean, I, I think I remember Jose Calderon shooting, like, some some absurd, like, 96%, but that was only on, you know, 1.7 attempts or something like that, right? right? Yeah. Um, but, I mean, Brodkin's stats will take a slight hit when Victor Oladipo returns, but I still think... He's going to be super dependable this season, and his his game is just so so solid. He has very few flaws. Campbell Walker, um, kind of the same thing with uh, Jalen Brown. His his stats are going to take a little bit of a hit with Gordon Hayward coming back, but he he's definitely happy with his role in Boston and is excelling and helping them win games. But at the same time, his his usage rate is definitely down, and even his you know minutes are down since Boston has more depth and kind of can afford to give them some more rest. So I think it comes down to Ben Simmons and Donovan Mitchell, two younger guys. Uh, you know, they both battled for that Rookie of the Year award, both wanted it. Um, you know, Simmons, you know, we've talked about before, and definitely the the lack of uh, willingness to shoot from three-point range is, is hurting him because he has made a couple, and, uh, you know, I think he isn't as bad of a shooter as people think, but he just, if, you know, unless he's willing to take him, then he's not really helping either his team or fantasy owners in that aspect. I think Donovan Mitchell has the most upside of this group. He's, he's playing more minutes than last year. He's pumped up his rebounding. Um, You know, he's using his athleticism to get those rebounding, rebounding, shooting a little bit better shooting percentages this season. Um, his assists are down, which people were expecting after the Mike Conley addition, but his threes are also down and his steals and blocks are down. And the, the steals and blocks I, I don't really get because uh, you know he's so long and athletic and explosive that he should be capable of much more than the 1.2 steals and 0.3 blocks per game. So I expect those numbers to go up and uh, it's kind of a toss-up I'd say between those two, which, which stats you need more of, but I would say yeah. Mitchell has the ability to improve on uh, what he's doing and has the most upside of that group.
0: It's a little bit of a splitting
1: hairs uh, situation there.
0: All right, let's go. Uh, we, ha- we put up a qu- poll question um, yesterday, and it was, which guard do you prefer for the rest of the season? Kyrie Irving, um, Russell Westbrook, Fred VanVleet, or Devontae Graham? And it's kind of interesting. I mentioned that you had mentioned in your column about the guard, uh, situation that you go about 15 deep before things start to get interesting. Well, I, I immediately scrolled down to see who your 15th guard was. And it was Devonte Graham, uh, who you've been very thankful for this year since you picked him up in a lot of leagues. And he's been great. Your 16th guard was Kyrie Irving. So it's uh, looking at the results of the poll question. Um, Graham is is the leader at forty four percent. Kyrie Irving twenty four percent. Then Van Vliet and Westbrook are sixteen percent each. It's funny. This is almost a reverse order of how you rank them because you have you have Van Vliet and Westbrook above Graham and Irving. You have Graham ahead of Irving, and you put Irving in that first of the interesting quote unquote class uh, as you mentioned. So. Uh, Why don't you – I don't know where you want to start with explaining uh, why you think people are the opposite of you on this poll question or maybe why you are the opposite of them on this poll question. Go ahead and uh, sink your teeth into whatever you want here with this one.
1: Sure. Well, uh, yeah, I came up with um, these these poll choices and it was kind of a trick question because – I have all three of them ranked ahead of Kyrie and I was actually kind of expecting Irving to be the, the leading vote getter. Right. So I I think it's really interesting that Graham is the clear cut winner in this poll. And it shows, um, I mean, it shows how impressive he's been and it shows how much people like him. And, uh, I, I think Graham could easily be the the top guy out of this this group. The only thing that's holding him back is his lack of defensive uh, stats, uh, steals and blocks uh, in particular. So in the article, I mentioned how his uh, 0.7 steals per game is the the lowest, Is well, it's at least lower than all of the guys that have ranked ahead of him, right? And so especially compared to Fred Van Vliet, Van Vliet's uh, averaging uh, around two steals per game, right? So that's a huge... That's a huge difference right there. Um, but I, I do think he he's very close to to uh Van Vliet and Westbrook and obviously very different games for for kind of all three of them. But uh, you know, I I think the takeaway here is that if I were if I owned any of those guys and someone is offering me Kyrie Irving for them, I would say no. I think there's just too many question marks around Kyrie right now. His the way he started the season was awesome. He was putting up big time numbers, but then, you know, Spencer Dinwiddie has played like an all star while he's been out. Um, You have Karis Lavert, who, as as someone who owns Karis Lavert in a few leagues, I'm kind of hoping Lavert returns before Irving does because I know that Lavert is capable of putting up big time stats, especially if Kyrie's not not ready yet. And I mean, his he's got a shoulder injury on his shooting shoulder. He's yet to dig any contact work, even though he's already been out for a month. The Nets, uh, you're kind of taking it on a day by day basis with these updates, and yet, you know, they haven't uh, given us too, too much uh, reason to be optimistic. Um, and, uh, you know, the Nets are playing well, well without him. And so it's a pretty tricky situation, and definitely uh, uh, it's a little uh, concerning for Kyrie Irving owners.
0: You know, I, I, here I'm where I'm at with Kyrie now is that I'm, I'm just going into the season thinking 20 DMPs minimum. Like, I don't think this gets better. Do you, I mean, you look at his career and he's played 70 plus games, three out of eight full seasons. And you know, the last two years was 67 and 60. And I think that's kind of what you're going to have to look at as the best you're going to get from him. I just, you know, it doesn't get better as you get older, especially for these guards and guys that have had injury histories like him. Like, um, are you, are you with me on that or are you, are, are you more optimistic for his health in the future and his ability to play, uh, you know, a, an appreciable amount of games in the season?
1: Yeah, no, I, I think, uh, I think you, you have it right. I mean, um, especially like his style of play, right? Like he has, he has the ball in his hands a lot and kind of, uh, expends a lot of energy with his style of play. And, uh, doesn't exactly avoid contact, likes to kind of get into the pain and whatnot. So I think his his style of play does make it more conducive to him getting hurt. How much would you worry about, like, if he's continuing
0: to kind of, like, deal with injuries throughout the year, that they sort of just start to think about shutting him down or really, really, like, uber-game managing him uh, down the stretch just because, you know, it's all about... It's all about Durant coming back next season, and that's that's you know that's the real play. Um, so, would that be in the back of your mind if you're an Irving owner?
1: Yeah, I mean that's definitely that's definitely part of the the situation. Um, even though they're in the playoff playoff race right now, they would they would make the playoffs if the season ended right now. They still, I mean, realistically, maybe they could like push a team to seven games in the first round, but I don't think they have a realistic chance of. Uh, getting to the second round, and even if they did, that I <laughs> don't think they have a chance of getting past that. Right, so you know, knowing that, knowing that it's more about moving forward next season, I would think that they would they should be super cautious with Irving just to just to maintain his uh, long term health.
0: So he gets back in the lineup, he has a few good games. You are telling me, I should trade him? Pretty much, oh.
1: <laughs> I would. I would definitely try to to move him once he once people think he's uh, he's in the clear. All right. Okay, uh,
0: noted. Um, all right, let's let's uh, let's move to the trending up, trending down portion of the guards. Uh, we'll start with some optimism. Uh, we'll switch gears here. And why don't you give me a couple guys that are on the rise?
1: Right, so I'm going to go with uh, John Morant and uh, Shea Gildress Alexander. And these guys aren't uh, exactly trending up in the sense that they're not really... Uh, putting up uh, better numbers than they were to start the season. But I think uh, that it's something that will happen soon. And so <clears throat> Memphis has kind of uh, been a little cautious with with Ja. They haven't played him too much, and they recently held him out of some games after having some back issues. But, you know, he showed his ability to heal as a younger player and, and didn't miss as much time as, as he could have. And uh, he, he's done a good job of exercising good shot selection, shooting um Better than expected, forty-six percent from the field and forty-two percent from three-point range. Not not taking a lot of threes, but also, I mean, I, that that shows that the good shot selection by not just jacking up threes. Um, he's also uh, done a nice job of avoiding foul trouble, which is something some uh, younger players struggle with. There is room for his uh, six point four assists per game to improve, and I think actually that's. That's where he will show the uh the improvement in his fantasy game. And especially if uh Jaron Jackson Jr. starts converting at a higher rate, which we talked about, and then also Brandon Clark uh starts getting more playing time because Clark has just been uh amazing at uh finishing not just around the rim, but also, you know, with his floaters and uh the mid-range game so if those two guys get on the court more and play a little better i think that'll just help out jaws uh, assist yeah no
0: doubt my my son's favorite player so uh there you go all right let's uh let's go with the guys that are on the downward trend who are two guys that uh, you're seeing uh, headed in the wrong direction
1: oh i didn't uh, get to to touch on shea gilgis but i'll just say that uh you know, he, he got off to a blistering start this season, and then uh, those numbers kind of fell off in November. But, uh, you know, he's still playing a ton of minutes, and I think he still has a lot of upside, especially if Chris Paul were to get traded or get hurt or something like that. So I would say uh, Shea is a nice buy low. Uh, guys trending down, I have uh, D'Angelo Russell and Marcus Smart, and kind of related to what we've talked about with um, – with Draymond and Jalen, right, is that the Warriors situation has been, uh, uh, less than ideal for their fantasy prospects. Once, uh, Steph Curry went down, it was kind of expected that Russell was going to be playing huge minutes and would be shouldering, um, Lots of offensive responsibility, and you know, his stats haven't been that bad, but he's still playing just 31 minutes per game as opposed to 34, 35, 36, which is, I think, what people may have been expecting after Curry got hurt. And so, is and it's hard to be obviously, it's hard to be efficient when you're playing with all these younger players instead of playing with Steph and Clay, right? So It'll be interesting what the Warriors decide to do with him, if they actually do decide to shop him at the trade deadline or not. But uh, I have Russell ranked 25th. It's hard to rank him any higher than that. And then Marcus Smart, kind of obviously he's impacted by Gordon Hayward's return as well, probably moves back to the bench until the next injury happens, and then a move back into the starting lineup. But it's another situation for him where it's like he was a – more of a reliable fantasy starter when Hayward was out and now it's just you have to be a little uh a tougher decision on when you decide to start him or look for someone else to start ahead of him.
0: Yeah, and he's not a he's not a real offensive guy, so he really needs the the minutes to kind of compile, you know, the defense and kind of glue the glue numbers that he puts together. I think he's you'd probably agree uh more valuable in reality than he is in fantasy. Yeah, for sure. What do you think about Russell? You think they're going to trade
1: him? You know, I mean, I was not one of the ones who was saying that they because a lot of people were saying, "Oh, they're just they're just getting him uh, as a replacement for Clay," and then clay comes back and then they'll trade him at the deadline and that was like very wishful thinking for people to well just one to assume that clay was returning this season after a serious knee injury and you're 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 kind of not thinking that's going to happen now that clay will actually even play this year in the regular season no i mean the words have almost almost pretty much said that he he won't be returning i don't think and obviously there's yeah there's no need to to push that with the the season that they're having and obviously that affects, um, and I guess that's, that's the problem is that it's hard to make that decision of what to do with him because they wanted to see how well he could play alongside Steph, right? And they didn't get to see that really. And how, how, how well he could play alongside clay. And so that'll be a tough decision for them to make. Um, I think they should at least listen to offers because if a team, uh, really wants him, then, uh, they would, they would definitely entertain those offers. I was reading, um, uh, one of our athletic articles today, um, on Minnesota's trade prospects and, uh, you know, the, they haven't exactly been impressed with Jeff Teague and, uh, Jarrett Culver's not quite ready to be that lead point guard. And so that was, uh, one of the, um, uh, one of the trade possibilities was trading for D'Angelo Russell. He's obviously good. I think I even heard
0: that in the offseason that Minnesota might be someone that would be, you know, entertaining the idea of D'Angelo Russell.
1: Right. Well, well, I guess they, they um, made a strong pitch to him and really wanted him, and he's very good friends with Carl Anthony Towns. And so, uh, yeah, they they would be a potential trade partner, but then then again you have to wonder what happens to Andrew Wiggins if that happens because part of part of uh the reason why Wiggins is having a breakout season is because he's had he's had the ball in his hands more and he's had that ability to be more of a playmaker and he's never exactly been a great player who can play play off of off the ball off of other guys. And so uh, that's that's probably their concern is what happens to if if Wiggins takes a step back, if they were to make a trade like that. Yeah, be interesting.
0: Uh, All right, Eric, let's uh, I think we're about the point where you need to wrap this up. Uh, You've mentioned the game to watch this weekend. Lakers at the heat, the beasts of the southeast. Versus the La- Lakers, it'll be a good one. It's uh, Bam versus Anthony Davis, LeBron, Jimmy Butler. Uh, pretty excited about this game.
1: Yeah, definitely, uh, definitely the best game to watch tonight. Uh, Miami's been very impressive, second in the East at eighteen and six, and uh, Lakers obviously on top of the West, and uh, definitely a big test for Miami and Jimmy Butler. You know, doesn't back down. That was actually the first time I knew butler was legit was when um chicago uh faced lebron in the playoffs and i don't even i'm not even sure if butler was a full-time starter yet but uh you know he showed his chops to me when he when he didn't back down to lebron uh defensively and uh you know he's kind of his career has taken off ever since then and so that's that's always a fun matchup to watch
0: yeah no doubt Jimmy butler doesn 't back down to anybody uh, that'll be a good one to watch uh, always uh, great stuff from you another uh, another good episode we 've got through the forwards and guards again if you want to check out uh, in complete detail all of uh, eric 's top twenty five centers top fifty forwards and top fifty guards those are available to you at the athletic. You can follow the athletic at the athletic f s on Twitter. You can follow me at Brandon Funston. Eric at Roto Evil. Uh, if you need a subscription to The Athletic, which I think you do, uh, just go to TheAthletic.com backslash dunks and dimes. They'll give you access to all of Eric's stuff. Um, and you'll also be able to access all the great NBA podcasts that are available on iTunes and Spotify. And if you enjoy the shows on these platforms, be sure to leave us a quick rating and review. That is always appreciated. And so with that, uh, that is our time for today. We look forward to talking to you again next week. Until then, take care.